Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. We came very close to a catastrophic breakdown of our democratic accountability. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. Right now, we're kind of stuck in this cycle where every summer we're hearing another story about a big fire and a town burning down. It's still extremely difficult to hold government agencies accountable for abuses that take place in the name of national security. This is KCBS In-Depth. When the pandemic began, ridership across the Bay Area's public transit system plummeted as offices shuttered and downtown life came to a screeching halt. More than two years later, riders have been slow to return, and now many local agencies are facing an approaching fiscal cliff. So, running out of funds and time, how can Bay Area Transit win riders back? Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, broadcasting throughout the Bay Area and streaming on the Odyssey app. I'm Keith Menconi. Today in the program, with many office workers now back to their daily commuter grinds and downtown life picking back up little by little, we're going to check in with two Bay Area transit leaders to get a sense of how the region's public transit system is emerging from those lean pandemic years. We'll talk about what it's taken to keep that system running and how it's going to need to adapt as we enter into this strange new post-lockdown world. For that perspective, going to welcome on now first Jeffrey Tumlin, Director of Transportation for the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency, or SFMTA. Jeffrey Tumlin, welcome to you. Uh, thanks for having me, Keith. Also welcoming on Therese McMillan, the Executive Director of the Metropolitan Transportation Commission, or MTC. Got a bit of an alphabet soup going on today. Uh, that is the planning agency for Bay Area Transit. Therese McMillan, welcome to you as well. Thank you very much, Keith. So the SFMTA has recently released some big picture plans uh, for what it wants service to look like in the years to come. Uh, but starting off, or we'll get to that a little bit later, but starting off, uh, hoping to first hear from you, Therese McMillan, uh, give us the big picture view, if you could. Uh, obviously, no. Obviously, we know for a long time as a result of the pandemic, uh, lots of people were staying off BART. They were staying off buses. How much of a hit did public transit ridership take over that time? And uh, where are we at now? You know, we had, um, you know, among our 27 transit operators, I would say, clearly a significant hit at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, when our economy went into shutdown, it affected folks across the board. What's been interesting looking back over the two years is that pattern of recovery has, you know, has varied. Um, you know, the pandemic had just decreased transit ridership as you know, significantly, but especially for our systems that were relying on commutes into um, city centers and most particularly San Francisco, I'm sure that, you know, Jeff can, can speak to that as well. Um, what we've seen interestingly, interestingly though, hmm. we were also very cognizant of the folks that kept riding, our transit dependent customers who, 
you know, the essential workers, the folks that didn't have a car, the folks who couldn't work remotely. And those tended to be much more concentrated on our bus systems. So when we look back two years through sort of some different pictures, I would say transit ridership has not recovered to pre-2019 levels at all across the board. That's just not happened. But we've seen a more, I guess you could use the term robust comeback for our bus systems where, again, essential um, workers and transit dependent uh, customers you know, came back to those systems that had been serving them well from the beginning. And at one point, AC Transit, for example, was carrying more riders than BART uh, in, you know, in the middle of the pandemic. Um, our commute-based systems, such as BART, are coming back. Um, and, you know, just to take a, a look, you know, on the uh, last Wednesday of April, BART's ridership topped 150,000 for the first time since the pandemic. And that's about seven times more passengers than the same Wednesday in April of 2020. So that's a big deal. But there's still 40% under, uh, you know, it's still less than 40% of the riders they were carrying before the pandemic hit. So we're seeing some moves, but it's pretty, um, it's pretty mixed and pretty slow for some folks. And that divergence that you're talking about there, does that reflect simply the fact that uh, the white-collar workers, the office workers, have not come back all the way, but the folks that do need to work in person, um, who I suppose disproportionately are riding the bus system, uh, they are uh, they never left? Pretty much. And either they never left or they, you know, reached as, as the economy was coming back. Uh, a number of those folks, if they weren't in the office-driven environments of the central city, in industries where remote work um, took hold, quite frankly, and is very much impacting the landscape of what, uh, you know, CBDs, oh, excuse me, no acronyms here, central business districts, uh, such as San Francisco are seeing, and I'm sure, again, that Jeff can speak to the um, San Francisco experience in that case and how how fundamentally that's changed the pattern of of his work. We're still unpacking what this pandemic is doing. And I don't think we're going to see a clear picture for some months. Yeah, yeah. So as you're talking about right there, it certainly uh, has been a disorienting time on a lot of fronts, including the transportation front and still getting our bearings in a lot of different way. But uh, let's do bring in Jeffrey Tumlin to the conversation now, again, uh, directing the SFMTA in San Francisco. So uh, what does is, what is all these disruptions look like from your vantage point? You've been tweeting about this a little bit recently, uh, pointing to uh, an increase in ridership still well below where we were before the pandemic began. But uh, weekend ridership seems to be going back a little bit faster than weekday ridership. What are some of the trends that are catching your eye? So COVID revealed the geography of essential workers in San Francisco. What we're finding is a very different set of travel patterns uh, in the COVID era than we had back in 2019. So for example, our total system-wide ridership is only at 54% uh, of uh, weekday ridership return, but we're at 67% of pre-pandemic ridership on the weekends. And it gets even more interesting when you look at individual lines. Um, So the 22 Fillmore, which is a circumferential uh, line, it it goes through a bunch of neighborhoods, hits a couple of hospitals. 
It is at 133% of pre-COVID ridership on weekends and at 100% of pre-COVID ridership on weekdays. It has been a star performer along with our other high-frequency neighborhood lines like the 14 Mission, the 8, and the 9. The riders that we are missing are commute riders to downtown offices. Uh, and that was a big chunk of our ridership pre-COVID, but almost all of our other ridership has come back. And in many cases, like the 22, it's already exceeding pre-COVID ridership. We're also finding that our riders are drawn to lines that are fast, frequent, and reliable. Um, during COVID, we invested in over 20 miles of new transit-only lanes and transit priority treatments. Um, many of our routes are running faster, more frequent, and more reliably than they did pre-COVID, and that is getting us a big bump in ridership. So we're continuing to look at the data as we hire new operators uh, and we're delivering service where it is most needed according to this month's travel patterns. Yeah. Well, and that also opens the topic of the service reductions that took place over the course of the pandemic. Of course, that's something that happened throughout the Bay Area's public transit system, whether it was uh, fewer uh, bus buses showing up along a certain route or whether it was the route itself maybe shortening or discontinuing for a time. Uh, talk a little bit, if you could, about how service restoration is going. I, I know that uh, the Chronicle reported back in February that some plans to restore service had to be put on hold because uh, Muni just didn't have enough operators uh, to to bring everything back as uh, quickly as it would have liked to. And um, bring us up to date. Uh, what does that picture look like in terms of service restoration? Yeah, so we're still in the worst financial crisis of our agency's 110-year history. Um, COVID knocked out two of our most important funding sources, transit fares and parking fees and fines. Uh, and <clears throat> we knew early on that uh, the financial impact was gonna be big and it was going to be long lasting. Um, so we had nearly two years of a nearly complete hiring freeze. And as a result of that, we have a thousand vacancies in the organization. Uh, we're down about 20% across all teams. And it was only back in March that the federal government announced an additional $115 million of recovery funds, which is the amount of money that we need in order to start up hiring again and restore service over the next two years. But after that money runs out in 2025, we're gonna need a new ongoing operating funding revenue source uh, in order to be able to sustain our recovery. So right now we're hiring as aggressively as we possibly can. We've got a thousand jobs to fill. We would love for all of your listeners to come work for the SFMTA. Just Google SFMTA jobs uh, and keep track uh, because we're having new postings every single week, um, including aggressively hiring transit operators. Um, and we graduate a new operator class about every six weeks and about every three months uh, for the next really two years, we're going to be doing another round of service restoration, trying to, uh, trying to both fully recover, but also adapt to changing ridership patterns. So in terms of service recovery, we're at about 80% of pre-COVID service hours. Um, but we're continuing to need to provide really strong frequency on our main essential worker lines 
uh, in order to reduce overcrowding. So we've worked really hard to try to make sure that everyone in San Francisco has um, reasonable access to transit. Uh, and we have prioritized the neighborhoods uh, with the greatest concentration of essential workers and people who have uh, the most limited mobility. Yeah, so certainly a lot of progress being made, but just to flag once again what you said at the top of that answer, the worst financial crisis in your agency's history. And uh, it is a long history that includes the Great Depression. So uh, certainly transit agencies are up against a lot. Uh, Speaking once again, by the way, to Jeff Tumlin, Director of Transportation for the SFMTA. Also speaking with Therese McMillan, Executive Director of the MTC. This is KCBS. uh, Sticking with the topic of the financial crisis facing these public transit agencies, Uh, Therese McMillan, I suppose the lone standout would be VTA uh, in the South Bay, they have a bit sturdier of a tax base to fall back on, so in a little bit better of a situation. But due to the drop in revenues that we've been talking about, other agencies uh, throughout the Bay Area really in dire circumstances. Yeah, and you hit on um, certainly the the core factors that impact how close you know to the fiscal cliff our transit agencies are. Now, their operating budgets are sustained with very different revenue sources. So as Jeff said, in, the, in, you know, in, in uh, San Francisco's case, you know, sales tax play is a significant difference. But they also rely on parking fees and a number of other um, fares and the like that are much more demand sensitive. So you know, that brings a level of unpredictab- unpredictability to what you see ahead. Um, VTA, on the other hand, in the South Bay, as you said, is an extremely strong sales tax base that has come back very robustly. That's the majority of what underwrites their operating budget. So while all of our transit operators are probably seeing the fiscal cliff between 2025 and 2028, it's a much sharper drop <laughs> for a number of transit operators. And again, our fare-dependent operators BART, SF Muni, Caltrain, WETA, which is the um, a ferry, a regional ferry system, uh, their drop, they have avoided the fiscal cliff in huge measure because of the really unprecedented levels of assistance coming from the federal government. We just cannot underscore that enough. But we are having to work with our operators now to say, well, what does that next future look like? But I think now, you know, our operators themselves are having to look to what do we do in a longer term? What does maybe a much more persistent remote work pattern do to the um, levels of ridership that we used to see? You know, again, um, many of our operators are seeing the same thing that, you know, Jeff said, lots more travel on the weekend compared to what, you know, the peaks what we call the peaks in the morning and the afternoon, that concentrated travel, in many cases, those are beginning to spread out more because we don't have as rigid a, you must show up, you know, at 7.30 in the office. So having to look at both things, not only where we get more revenue, but also how we're going to manage our transit systems going forward in this new normal, which is still not completely pinned down. And what does that say in terms of just operating budgets generally? Yeah. Well, uh, 
think uh, Therese raised some good questions there, so I'll just put them to you, uh, Jeff Tumlin. What does it mean for uh, SFMTA, for Muni, if we have workers following this very different pattern? Is this something that can be uh, adapted to? How do you adapt to that? Well, we've already adapted. We've had to rebuild the Muni system seven times over the last two years. That's something we typically only do about once every 15 years. Uh, and we're responding to a very different set of patterns. One of those key patterns is that, you know, pre-COVID, we used to have extremely high ridership, uh, 7 to 9 a.m. and from 5 to 6 p.m. Right now, our ridership is completely flat across the day. So our ridership at noon is the same as our ridership at 9 a.m., which is the same as our ridership at 5 p.m. And this is interesting for us because it actually allows our service delivery to be a lot more efficient. Um, I can have operator shifts that make more sense. I can provide basically the same level of service all day long, which is a, a lot easier to manage and more cost-effective for us as an agency. Um, it's also allowed us to focus on reliability. So one of the things that we did during COVID is we eliminated schedules on all of our main lines because of the lack of predictability of how many operators would be ready to show up to work and not in quarantine. Um, so we've, uh, we've replaced that with what we call headway management, where we ask the operators to just space themselves out evenly, um, which allows us to adapt to changing circumstances, whether that's uh, increasing ridership or another, you know, Omicron wave, um, we can deliver far better service than we would otherwise be able to do using our 2019 service model. We've been talking mostly so far about adaptation, moving things around, adjusting, but, you know, given the fiscal realities that SFMTA and other agencies are facing, does there come a point where we need to start considering things like raising fares or things like cutting service? Well, we're uh, very much focused on figuring out what is a sustainable revenue model moving forward. We are subsisting right now on one-time federal money. That money runs out in 2025. So we're going to need a new revenue source. But we also want to make sure that we facilitate the economic recovery of San Francisco and we don't place high cost burdens on our essential workers who are also suffering economically um, as a result of COVID. So our current budget does not include any fair increases over the next two years. Um, and it also retains free, free muni for youth, free muni for seniors, and free muni for people with disabilities. We think this is an important part of rebuilding trust with San Franciscans and helping to support the city's larger recovery. Yeah, so uh, clearly that federal funding, federal support, uh, making a pretty big difference at this moment, helping to answer some of those really difficult questions um, uh, in the short term, that is, because of course, this level of funding is not going to last forever. And so, Therese McMillan, again with the MTC, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the options on the table for how to address those longer-term fiscal cliffs that uh, we're facing. And one of the big things that has been discussed recently is introducing a ballot measure in perhaps 2024 that would raise uh, new taxes for transit to support public transit, maybe a new sales tax measure or something of that variety. 
but also worth pointing out that so far it is not polling particularly well. Uh, so what can you tell us about uh, what voters should be expecting in terms of new taxes, new ballot measures? Very, very careful and thoughtful considerations <laughs> on a whole number of fronts. We'll start with that. You know, Keith, you hit on, I think, a really important point. And I, I, maybe I would characterize it this way. The one thing you want to do if you're going to put out a regional measure of any, of any import is you want to win. <laughs> Polling is, is, is critical to testing the appetite of the electorate and um, what is in the realm of, of possibility in terms of thinking through what they're willing to bear and what the economy is also willing to sustain. I mean, right now, you know, everyone I think is keeping a very nervous eye on what is the economy going to look like? Maybe not this year so much, but in our budget discussions next year, is a recession in the outcome or not? That all, you know, gets into the equation of what you would consider before moving forward with something like a regional revenue measure. You mentioned, you know, taxes. Um, what type of tax? There was a lot of discussion back right before the pandemic when we were considering a regional measure at the time about should it be a sales tax? There were a number of stakeholders and interest groups that said that's very regressive. That has an equity impact on folks. That's very different than a different type of, of, of tax. And so there's a lot of questions that um, would need to be um, you know, vetted um, among policymakers, among elected officials, and most importantly, among the people that would show up at the ballot box. And so yeah. not a clear view, but certainly, as Jeff pointed out, what new revenue streams may be available, whether they're federal, state, regional, local, it's all in the mix. Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. This, once again, is KCBS In-Depth. I'm Keith Menconi. Today on the program, well, the pandemic hit Bay Area public transit like a freight train. Now that offices are opening back up, we're checking in on how the system is recovering. Speaking with Jeff Tumlin, Director of Transportation for the SFMTA, just heard a second ago from Therese McMillan, Executive Director of the MTC, that's uh, the Metropolitan Transportation Commission. I want to talk about the challenge of safety, and this is something that the New York Times wrote about recently, pointing to the fact that while it's true over the past two years, the absolute number of crimes on public transit, not specifically talking about Bay Area, but talking across the country, uh, the absolute number of crimes seem to have gone down on public transit. 
when we're talking about the crime rate, uh, it's actually gone up because there's been so many fewer people on the system uh, that people are more likely to confront uh, or be exposed to uh, some type of crime. And that's uh, really made it uh, for some people, a more daunting task to, you know, go back onto public transit. Uh, people uh, not always feeling safe uh, returning, and obviously that makes the pitch to return to tr- public transit uh, a little bit uh, more difficult. Uh, so, uh, Jeff Tumlin, giving you the first word on this, uh, I know that this is something that SFMTA has uh, been focusing on. Uh, what does the work like look there? So, on Muni, Crime remains near historic lows, a small fraction of what they were back in, say, 2013. And on a per 100,000 mile basis, uh, crime on Muni has been fairly flat. Um, But our ridership is down. And we hear from communities all over San Francisco about their personal security concerns on Muni. And we take that very seriously. So we have been investing in hiring new transit ambassadors. And these are, these are folks who grew up in San Francisco, uh, who grew up in our neighborhoods, and who we train in de-escalation and other uh, conflict uh, reduction techniques who ride our buses and help, help people be chill and to help Um, avoid conflict before it actually happens. Um, And they're fantastic. They're beloved uh, in the communities that they serve. And they ride ride our buses where we hear the most concerns about safety and security. So we're in the process of hiring 20 more of those. Our new budget includes 22 more. um, And we will be hiring those quickly. We're also investing a pretty significant amount of money in what we call Um, our Gender Safety Equity Initiative. This is modeled after after BART's successful program um, of helping to make sure that women and girls feel safe um, riding Muni and uh, and particularly um, our Asian and Pacific Islander um, riders. Um, And this includes a whole lot of techniques, including a lot of investment in bystander training. So how, what, you know, if you're riding a Muni bus and you see something going down, what should you do? Should, you know, how can you react in order to um, safely de-escalate that situation um, and help take care uh, that it doesn't happen again? We're also investing in uh, better use of our um, camera technology. Um, we have outstanding cameras on all of our Muni, Muni vehicles. And if people report a crime on Muni, uh, within 10 days uh, of that crime happening, we can download all of that video, and it is of such high quality that we are able to get a very high conviction rate and can help identify uh, perpetrators in collaboration with the San Francisco Police Department. So, if you are, uh, uh, you know, if 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 you suffer uh, from uh, from a crime on Muni, please do report it. Um, we need that data. Um, and we can help find those perpetrators and make sure that they don't uh, do that again. Um, and in addition, um, we're continuing to uh, invest in our safety and security team throughout the agency. Um, we've taken uh, all of our transit fare inspectors and all of our transit operators um, through de-escalation training um, and other trainings uh, in order to support uh, greater safety and security on the buses. Uh, and and on, on our trains. Um, so we're uh, we know we still have uh, work to do in this area, um, but the data is clear that our investments uh, are making a difference. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we only have a couple of minutes left, and I want to give closing thoughts to both of you. And I guess uh, the way that I want to get you both started is, you know, taking everything that you've said into account. So if we have a couple of years to figure out this fiscal situation as we're heading towards a real cliff, real uh, financial challenges. Uh, but at the same time, we're trying to get riders back onto the system. How do we do that? Uh, you know, be, given the fact that you you find a Bay Area resident and you can find a complaint about transit, uh, they're as, as numerous as the sky is wide. Um, and so there's uh, definitely a lot of different ways that transit could be improved in the Bay Area. Uh, but if we also are dealing with uh, a constrained fiscal situation that makes making those improvements that would win those riders back makes it all the more challenging. So it seems like a bit of a conundrum. Uh, starting with you, Therese McMillan, uh, help us get started on uh, unwinding that conundrum just a little bit, if you could. Well, I'm glad we're ending with this because I think there's some very hopeful you know, efforts that have been happening uh, in the Bay Area among our 27 different transit operators. You know, there's some sun, not just shadow, involved in in this story. Um, At the very very beginning um, of the pandemic, the MTC called together again at this, this Blue Ribbon Task Force. But one of the things in addition to dealing with the immediate fiscal crises was acknowledging that collectively we needed to come back different and come back better, not just the same of what transit looked like in 2019. There were, there were issues of declining ridership well before COVID. Hmm. And what we found it had to do with, in some cases, a lack of connectivity between our different services. It was transit not going to the right places for folks that needed to get there, particularly for our transit dependent riders, a sense of, um, and particularly I think, you know, with COVID, we're having to think through who are we serving, what are their needs, and how do you devise the system to meet those those different needs? Um, The proverbial one size doesn't fit all. Um, our, you know, local, we talked a lot about our urban systems, but many of our rural systems, um, more rural suburban systems, have the opportunity to do some extraordinary things like what we call more demand responsive type services, which, you know, folks can call up and say, I need a bus between, you know, to get from A to B at this particular time, a more flexible way of addressing some trips as opposed to a fixed route that comes, you know, every 30 minutes. So we're taking the opportunity now, I think, to listen to our customers, first and foremost. What is it that they need? And why is transit a critical part of their lives? And um, we've worked regionally, again, with our operators to come up with what we call this transformative action plan to begin to unpack the very complicated factors that go into coming back different, coming back better, and doing all of that within a fiscally constrained environment, which is a huge challenge. But if any region I think is up to the task, hopefully it is us. Yeah. And uh, closing thoughts to you as well, uh, Jeffrey Tumlin. I, I know that you've already talked a lot about some of the big changes coming to uh, the system, uh, but also know that there's uh, more afoot as well. What else would you want to keep in our mind? So at Muni, we know that there are four things that we need to do in order to get our riders back. Um, The first and most important is to make transit fast, frequent, and reliable. And that's why we've spent so much effort uh, during the pandemic investing in transit-only lanes all over San Francisco, and we're continuing to invest in more. 
The second thing that we already talked about is making sure that transit is safe and secure for our riders. Um, that is a big part of our budget in the coming two years. And the third is making sure that transit is clean and healthy. And that's why our new budget also includes continued investment in extra cleaning for our vehicles, um, as well as continuing to follow um, whatever the current health uh, protocols are from the San Francisco Department of Public Health. Um, and then uh, finally, we need to make sure that transit fares are affordable to people who need transit the most. Um, and that's why we're continuing to invest in free muni for youth and seniors and people with disabilities. In order to do all of this, obviously we need uh, uh, resources. Uh, in June on the San Francisco ballot, there is a general obligation bond. Uh, this renews our previous uh, bond that allows us to continue to invest in high quality transit, uh, address our deferred maintenance and improve the safety of our roadways. Uh, we're also uh, going to be looking really hard for new sources of operating funds in order to be able to sustain all of these investments over time. So fair to say that uh, public transit does cost money, cost money to make it work. And uh, you're going to be needing to make a pretty solid case to the voters over the next couple of years to really meet some of these targets that you're setting. That's right. And part of our case is that San Francisco's economic recovery is completely dependent upon transit. Those big office buildings in downtown San Francisco can't be filled by people driving cars. We don't have room on our streets or parking garages downtown in order to accommodate everyone driving into the city. So in order for San Francisco's overall economy to recover and in order to allow people to continue to be able to drive who need to drive, we need to make sure that all the rest of us can take transit or walk or bike um, if that works for us. Yeah. Well, uh, I know that I probably end too many shows saying this, but I think it probably applies more to this one than any. A uh, lot of difficult decisions ahead and a lot more to be learned about uh, all these tricky topics that we've been talking about here. Uh, definitely, we'll be talking more about these funding issues and how we can square some of these circles. So uh, a topic that we'll be returning to, no doubt. Uh, speaking today, once again, to Jeffrey Tumlin. One last time, he's the Director of Transportation for the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency. Jeffrey Tumlin, thanks so much. Thank you, Keith. Uh, happy to come back anytime. And spoke to as well, Therese McMillan, the Executive Director of the Metropolitan Transportation Commission. Therese McMillan, thanks to you as well. Thank you for the opportunity to share our thoughts. And thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Menconi. Stay safe, be well. We'll see you next week. been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 